episode 102 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And Cameron, I'm still mad. You're still mad? I'm still... Sorry, oh. I'm, I'm still hurt from that. It's been a very emotional week for every, for everybody. This is true. Yeah. Bad yeah. movies. I mean, it wasn't that horrible movie. We it watched... Was, no. Okay. Mm. We watched Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald last night. A.K. what I refer to as Fantastic Beasts. The Crimes of Warner Brothers. Yes. Uh, and it's not the best movie. It's the worst movie I have seen in many years. I hated it more than I hated Justice League. Which is saying a lot. That is saying... That's Wait, about hold as on, much as you on, can say. More or less than Bat v. Soups? More. You hated it more than Batman I hated Justice League more than I hated Batman oh, vs. Superman. I thought Bat Soups was your lowest. No, no, okay. no, no. Because no. at least there are parts that I can go like... Okay, sure, I get what you're doing here. And at least things happened in Justice League. I like I don't This is not the place to get into it right now. No, no, no. But, Save it for the end. Save it for the end. Oh my god. I am like I am still like buzzing with anger from watching that movie. It made me so mad. Mm-hmm. And look, I'd rather people enjoy it than not. But if you enjoy it, you're wrong. No, I everyone has their own opinions on things. Some of them wrong opinions. Some some of them not as as on equal value as, as Chris's opinion. But I right. thought it was a fun movie. I also had a really shitty day yesterday, and so it couldn't have gotten any worse. I guess that's true. That's the funny thing is that you you had a really, you had had a, I think overall a pretty good week and a really shitty single day. Mm-hmm. I'd had a very shitty week, without like the concentrated horribleness that was your life. Yes. Uh, but maybe that was part of the problem. I went into it with it, like not the best mindset to begin with, mm-hmm. and I just oh yes oh I will I will say is this. I'm not going to be glad. I will never be glad that Stan Lee is dead, but I'm glad that he wasn't here to live in a world where Fantastic Beasts does well and makes money. On that note, it, it is very sad for us to announce that Stan Lee passed away this week. Yeah. It was very emotional for, for everyone in the nerd community. I wasn't as affected by it as I thought I was going really, to be. I, it, it ruined my day. Cause it, I mean, this is a this is a death I've been dreading for years. I remember yeah. having conversations in college. We all knew uh, it was with, coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, because um, I think there was a, I want to say like freshman year, there was some article on comic book movie talking about like Stanley meeting Obama, mm-hmm. uh, and me and my roommate at the time, Ian, uh, were like, oh, when Stanley passes, because we assumed it was during Obama's time. When Stanley passes, Obama better make it like a holiday, like Stan Lee Day or Comic Day or something. Uh, and so you've always kind of had that that thought behind it, and now yeah. it's it's finally happened. And I I don't think we're gonna get a holiday, no. Unfortunately, I yeah I don't know. I mean I, cause my cousin um, Nico actually texted me. It's like, did you hear about Stan Lee? I'm like, oh, I assume means he did. Mm-hmm. I yeah he, I, I heard he I had a, a handful of messages. Yeah, um, I mean I I don't know like I. It's weird. A lot of this stuff just doesn't really affect me. Usually, most of the time, celebrity deaths don't. I think yeah. just because like this is the one that I've been dreading for so long that like when it happened, and not only when it happened, but like having all of my friends also kind of be affected by it in yeah. one way or another. I think yeah, everyone kind of, brought, kind of reacted to it. Yeah, there have been some really, my, my whole um, circle down. Yeah, lots of really fantastic uh, like posts and like fan art and stuff about the whole thing and mm-hmm. i i think regardless of his actual work in comics like probably the biggest loss is just the 
the positivity that mm-hmm. he always brought to everything, like that, that exuberance, that energy, and uh, you know the fact that he helped open up kind of like an entire generation and several generations of, of readers to characters that weren't necessarily like them. But like, I think he helped bring a lot of diversity to comics, which mm-hmm. is really fantastic. Um, but I, so I'm always curious when, when a figure like this passes away, like how do we address their legacy? Because there's a lot of controversy around Stan. Well, that's exactly especially it. Especially in what, what he created. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it's a pretty, if you know comics, it's a pretty well-known fact at this point that he basically completely fucked over Jack Kirby in particular mm-hmm. um, when all this stuff was getting created. And he was kind of notorious for basically, like, doing none of the work and just signing his name on it and being kind of the, the, the showman and the glory hog. And so, you know, when someone passes like this like i'm always curious how you address that like how do you acknowledge their positivity and show respect to somebody while also recognizing that they had some negative influence in their life yes the the more so the the more i kind of learn about art culture and and old comic culture it starts to make more sense about what stan did and obviously what Mm -hmm. he did was was wrong taking credit for other people's work but in the 60s, particularly, writers never had their name on a single thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I don't, I don't think I told... Writers never had their name on anything. No, I think I told you this story, I, it was probably off air, mm-hmm. but it was, uh, oh God, who? What, I don't remember who, some, some YouTuber made a video, I don't remember who it was, talking about the first writer that got his name in a book, and it was to deal with the... the um, the comic code that said you couldn't have, um, not paranormal, but, uh, Oh, um, supernatural, oh, uh, right, yeah. beings in books anymore. And so the writer's name was someone Wolfman mm-hmm. spelt Wolfman. Yeah. And so they used his name to get around showing a wolf man, <laughs> showing a werewolf in that comic. Yeah. And so they talked about it, which they couldn't even do. But since they put the writer's name on the cover, I'm going to say Danny Wolfman was his name. Sure. I don't, I, I don't think that was his first name. But since they said Danny Wolfman <clears throat> in the comic, they could say, oh, I saw this. I'm telling you the story of, of the I'm telling you the Wolfman's story mm-hmm. and, you know, getting around. Oh, interesting. And since he was the first one, he was the first one to get his name publicized. Okay. And then, of course, that was the influx of like, oh, well, if he's getting his name in that in his book. I want my credit for the stuff that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. So that caused that huge influx. And then obviously <clears throat> in the seventies and eighties, when you had kind of single writer published books, you had the, the big Frank Millers and the, all those that, you know, changed everything. Yeah. So it was, Oh, and then, but then with the art thing, sorry. Um, there's an artist I think he's the richest artist in the world uh, in history. I, uh, Daniel Hirsch, something Hirsch. Okay. Um, I, I know we have a lot of art critics and teachers <laughs> listening, and I'm sorry if I get any of these facts wrong. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's Daniel Hirsch. He, he's credited for making the most expensive piece of art of all time. Okay. Um, which is for the love of God. And it's a human skull covered in, uh, diamonds. 
Okay, I think this sounds kind of familiar. I, I've brought it up a few times. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, yeah, for the love of God. What's his name? Um, Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst is also infamous for um, having his, his pro, not protégés, but having his apprentices do 99.5% of the work okay. and him just finishing it, doing mm-hmm. like one line and signing his name on it, and then it's selling for, you know, a million dollars. And so that's just kind of how a lot of artists do. And artists of all throughout history have been doing stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not ever really brought up, and mm-hmm. I think that's a problem. Yeah. And I think with Stan and, and Jack Kirby, Stan was just living in that, mentality still no i mean i guess there's something to be said for taking in context Mm -hmm. with this sort of stuff i still don't think he's bad to say like bob kane right um oh man what a dick uh yeah i don't know it's just that that was a thought that occurred to me when everyone was kind of talking about the everything he created and i was like well did he did he though but again Mm -hmm. outside of the credit of who created what was if you will like i think his legacy will stand for much more than just what he created but kind of more just like the the persona that he exuded Mm -hmm. and the positivity that he inspired yes and also also, i know you can't compare one bad doing to another bad doing but do you do you know the history of the later years of stan and like uh, wow comics was that pow comics was that when he like was because wasn't he like basically fired from Marvel more or less at one point? And... He left Marvel and started his own comic company yeah. called POW with his partner, and his partner stole all the money and fled the country. Oh, yeah, this does ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that, like multiple times in his career, Stan has been like thoroughly fucked over. Yeah. But again, you can't compare one wrongdoing to another wrongdoing. No, but, but you know, it's also nice that... You know, stuff like the movie cameos kind of helped keep him in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also just helped keep him like relevant and productive and doing stuff. Absolutely. For, for a long time past when a lot of people would just kind of fade into kind of obscurity. Mm-hmm. It kept him around. Um, no, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we had him, obviously. Yes. And it's, it is, it, it is sad to think of, the before too long, we'll get a Marvel movie where he doesn't have a cameo in it. It's just, it is sad to think of him as not having that kind of presence. Mm-hmm. I, I know. Because so. um, I don't think I ever told the story on air. Uh, I met Stan twice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the first time was my very first Comic-Con I ran into Stan Lee. He was just mm-hmm. walking the floor because that's what he did. Like there, there are many stories of him trying to escape his security detail <laughs> just so he could walk the floor in peace. Which yeah. sounds so great. Yeah. I'm imagining this like 87 year old man trying to like juke out four giant bodyguards. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great me- mental image. Too. It totally fits him. Uh, but yeah, I was walking the floor and I bumped into him and it just, you know, it was Stan Lee and I was a 14 year old kid that didn't know what he was doing. And so yeah. I couldn't, I was, I was beyond starstruck where I just couldn't make words and I yeah. just started bowing to him <laughs> and not once, but just like over and over yeah, again. Like repeatedly. Bowing. Yes. And he just started laughing, and he gave me a hug. And he's like, keep doing what you're doing, kid. Like, Thanks, Stan. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the second time, it was just uh, a random signing that I was lucky enough to, to win a... There was like a lottery to mm-hmm. get him to sign something that you owned. 
And I'm like, sure, I'll enter. Why not? And I won. And I, I was like the last person in line. Oh, my God. And uh, no, I was the second to last person because the last person took the worst photo ever <laughs> where it was it was me and then just like Stan's nose. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. Uh, it's the one that I posted on Instagram. It, it's, it's more than his nose, but it's just like the just as small amount of face as you can yeah. to still recognize it, Stanley. Uh, <laughs> But what yeah, did you have him sign? Uh, it was a book that I just bought because I didn't have any like Marvel stuff with me. Yeah. Uh, and so it was some... Uh, oh, God, what was it? I still have it. Well, at least it wasn't something random. Like At least it was something Marvel-related. It was like, yes, like yeah, can it you was... sign my Batman comic? No, it was when Marvel... Oh, God, you're going to hate me for this so much. It's when Marvel tried to, to work their way into the manga industry oh, and Jesus. Stan teamed up with a bunch of of Japanese artists and writers to make, uh, I, I don't think I've ever read the comic, but it's been, I, I have well, it signed. Well, it's a collector's item now. It's, yeah. It's signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he did like a three part series, some, some manga series. Huh? Yeah. That sounds like Marvel yeah. and Stanley. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, cause it was, it was right when, uh, Marvel was just getting into all things Japanese. So you yeah. had the Iron Man animated series, the, the Wolverine animated series oh, coming right. out over, overseas. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Never seen any of those. Neither have I. What? <laughs> you baffle me sometimes. <laughs> like, this seems completely in your wheelhouse. I know. Doesn't it? Uh, I don't even know what to say to you. Yeah. Um, uh, how about some, some news? Because we have a lot of news this week. Uh, well, I think one worth mentioning is we are getting Young Justice a lot sooner than we expected. Yes. January 4th. I'm so excited. I'm almost not prepared for it yet. It's like, I've only seen Young Justice once all the way through i feel like i need to kind of give it a revisit and now i'm like where's the time it's, it's oh, i'm, I'm going to talk like... about young justice a lot today with this titans episode oh okay well there we go because i i yeah i've only like i said seen it once so there's a lot of the details that i forget but I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, i gotta go back and do a, a revisit on it and now i'm thinking like oh do we try are we gonna incorporate it into the podcast uh well, well that'll be saved for another, another i know session. but i think because it's, these... it's only a, a two-week break from when titans ends i know we get young justice which is awesome yeah i'm super pumped for that yeah i mean i I guess this is part of their strategy of more or less trying to keep one new show at a time for now until Mm -hmm. they can get it out even faster but you know to try and keep the the funnel of new content going you think are we gonna get harley next no harley's not like way later next i think think it's next christmas maybe swamp thing or maybe doom patrol after that well i I feel like they're still filming doom patrol but i think they're also still filming swamp thing yeah well, Harley's animated. That's why I assume. Yeah, it was but next. it was um, it was pretty far down the line. Okay. It's, I want to say it was like fall of 2019, even before it was coming out. Okay. It was way down there because they had a, a rough schedule, and I just don't remember what else mm-hmm. was on it. Then it's probably Doom Patrol next. They're, they'll yeah. probably switch, uh, live action animated, live action animated. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until they can kind of get it. Because um, Swamp Thing's the only thing we don't have a teaser for yet. This is true. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I, I assume that would be last. Mm. And I, I feel like that's going to be the most special effects heavy. Let's see here. DC Universe schedule. Release schedule. Um, oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. Titans Young Justice. Yeah, Doom Patrol, uh, which they're going to play from like February through June. And oh, then, wow. So it's going to run concurrent. 
Uh, yeah, and then we're going to get more Young Justice in June, <gasps> along with Swamp Thing, and then, oh, Stargirl in September, Oh, and then Harley and Stargirl are going to cross over a bit at the end of next year. So, All right. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Um, let's see what else. What else we got news-wise? Oh, I mean, not, so neither of us watch Supergirl. You watched it for a bit. I watched uh, the first season. Yeah. So they've, they announced a while ago they are going to have Lex Luthor on the show, and they finally announced who it's going to be. And it's an interesting choice. Yes. So it's John Cryer. So for those of you who don't know who that person is off just the name, his most famous role, I would say, is the brother on Two and a Half Men, the non-Charlie Sheen one. Yeah. And he is like a really impressive comedic talent. I will always maintain that if you can do comedy, you can do drama. But he's just so like, I feel like they've been bulking up Lex over the past decade that it, it it's weird to imagine him being like a well, I mean, like a lean except person for again. Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, so all the photos have been circulating around it are of him now where he's his head is shaved and he's got a beard going on. I mean, mm-hmm. he looks like he could do it. I think he's got the chops for it. And then on top of it, they do love to do <laughs> legacy casting. Mm-hmm. What? I just I was looking at a picture of the the bald uh what, what what's his name? John Cryer. John John Cryer. And it made me think, because he kind of looks like Bill Burr. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, Bill Burr. Bill Burr to be Lex Luthor. My God, what insanity that would be. That'd be the greatest. They would just not even give him a script. No, they just let him do his thing. You're fighting Superman. Superman, that piece of shit. (laughs) Let me tell you something about Superman. All of a sudden, Supergirl has to shift over to DC Universe (laughs) to accommodate all the language. Uh, but like, so they also they love to do legacy casting, and so he was like Lex Luthor's cousin, Lenny Luthor, in Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Great, a movie I have not seen in a long time, but I remember enjoying it as a kid. I don't How know. How old is John Cryer? He's fifty something. I want to say okay, because um, that movie came out uh, eighty. I want to say eighty-seven. Oh, he, sure he was he was young sure off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, but he was also in um. He was in some John Hughes movies. He was in, I think he was in Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. Isn't he Ducky? I've never seen the movie, actually. I believe so. I'll pull up his. Yeah. Um, it's funny thing is, I actually saw John Cryer at Comic Con years ago. Oh, wow. I was part of like a you know, massive crowd, like crossing the street to get in the convention center. I look over and he's there with his kid. And again, it was one of those things where pretty much I always do this, where I didn't say anything because as much as I know how to play it cool, I don't want to then like announce in front of a crowd of people. There's a celebrity amongst the myths just mm-hmm. because like he's there with this kid. He's clearly just trying to enjoy yeah. Comic-Con. Um, so I didn't talk to him, but not, I mean, it's weird, but I'm, I'm down for it. Actually. I'm on board. I think the CW for the most part, even though I haven't really watched in a while, has been pretty good, but their casting choices. Yeah. I'm still, I'm looking at his IMDb. Apparently he does some voices in Justice League action, which is still going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's Felix Faust. Felix Faust. Felix Faust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of his yeah. his his most recent DC adventure. I'm I'm on board for it. I, part of me still thinks maybe I should jump in on Supergirl, but then you did and you weren't super keen on it, so maybe I won't. <gasps> he was in Danny Phantom. He was. Who was he in Danny Phantom? He was Freak Show. I don't remember Freak Show. Freak Show was the was the goth villain. He can, oh okay. He had, he had a staff that controlled that could control ghosts. Uh, and goth kids. <laughs> That's fantastic. He was great. Love it. Um, another thing, we got a rumor about a potential director for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 mm-hmm. in Travis Knight, who did Kubo, which 
both of us really love. Yes, I will. Oh, it's so pretty. And then now he directed Bumblebee, which I have high hopes for, mostly because of Kubo. As do I. But if this turns out to be true, I think it's a pretty solid choice. Well, he is he also going to write it? No, I think they're still going to mostly. They're probably going to use. Um, James Gunn's script and then do some tweaks on it. They'll probably bring another writer to do a, a polish on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Travis Knight is a writer or not. I forget. I don't know. Um, but I think that's a, a really hard role to fill for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, because I think in most people's mind, mine included, this shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it, it's James. I feel like the Guardians are James Gunn's yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, but I think it's that's not a bad choice. I think he's He's got talent. Um, I think he... We'll see how Bumblebee does. Mm-hmm. But if it does well, I think he would have like a decent amount of credibility. I think a lot of people will be like, okay, like he's actually pretty talented. He's done good stuff before. He, he's capable of taking over a franchise. Yeah. And, and you know, putting his own spin yeah. on it. Well, And also, he's, he's young enough that you can kind of be like, well, okay, this is someone a talented filmmaker getting a chance to do like a movie on an even bigger scale and like advance his career. So you can't really on some level begrudge him for doing it if he chooses. Mm -hmm. Speaking of age, sorry to super random tangent. Well, we never do that. So never first time, first time for everything. Uh, How old do you think Brian Lee O'Malley was when he first published Scott Pilgrim? Oh, kind of hurt me yesterday when I saw this. I don't know. 25, 24. Wow. He, Yeah. And he'd already published another comic before then. Lost at Sea, he published when he was 23. Good on him. Yeah. Cameron, you are 25. I know. All right. And he already published two comics. Okay, but there's still time for you to accomplish great things. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm already eyeing retirement homes at this <laughs> point. So, um, and we did have some trailers this week, too. I feel like you're skipping all the things that I want to talk about. <laughs> well, I thought you said we had some trailers this week. Yes. Yeah. We have a lot of trailers. I'm, I think a lot of the trailers are stuff you want to talk about. I do want to talk about them. Then what the fuck? What are, what are we talking about, Chris? No, you tell me, Cameron. You tell me. I'm railroading the conversation here. Oh, so. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have two Disney things, yes. which are great. We have a teaser for Toy Story 4. Yes. Uh, we had a new a new character, I guess, who's Forky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the internet's going crazy. I don't really care. I... It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we're seeing a custom toy. Yes. Which I think is fun. Yeah. A fun new concept. Because it, was it was it you and I that had the conversation of where you go with Toy Story from here? We probably had that conversation. Because they've point. had, you know, being replaced, um, becoming collector's items, and then just being forgotten. Yeah. It's kind of the history of a toy. Where do you go from there? Um, and the story I was hoping they were going to go with uh, was since the toys are kind of growing up with the audience, what do you do when kids prefer electronics over toys now? How do you handle oh, that? Okay. But I think they're going in the same concept, but in the opposite route of of uh, DIY taking oh, over. Oh, yeah. Like, why buy what I can make? How do we incorporate Etsy yes. into the Toy Story universe? Yes, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting idea, mm-hmm. certainly. I, I think the bulk of the story is supposed to be about them finding Little Bo Peep. Yes. I think. Um, but I, don't, I think this is a, a clever idea to include in there. I mean, there's not much to the teaser trailer. It's basically just like all of them dancing around a circle and then mm-hmm. Forky. Um, I was looking at the 
the cast list. And I'm trying, wait, I'm trying to remember, Mr. Potato Head was voiced by Don Rickles, right? Yes. Did he die? I think so. Because I didn't see a voice actor listed for they Mr. Might, Potato Head. They might have just not like put the whole list up yet. Uh, yeah, Don Rickles, Mr. Potato Head. Did he die? I thought he was alive. Oh, yeah, he died. Oh, too bad. I wonder what they can do with that then, if they're just going to use old sound bites from him. No I voice. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, Potato Head is, he he's has a decent role. I guess not in three. Yeah. He had a decent role in one and two. I think what could be clever is if they lose his mouth. Mm-hmm. And so he's like a silent pantomime character through the whole thing. And yeah. then maybe at the end, they finally find it and he gets like one line in there. Or uh, footage. when they lose his mouth, they replace it with a Mrs. Pota- Miss Potato Head mouth. So then she's just doing both voices. That could be pretty fun, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be very, very clever. Yeah. Oh, God, you're so clever, Cameron. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so we got that trailer. We got a second trailer for Dumbo, which yes. looks fascinating. My God. Like that. Did that, like, that gave me all the feels. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the whole movie is just a depressing film. Yeah. It's just like that poor baby elephant. Yeah. Uh, Ugh. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I'm just super excited for a new version of Baby Mine because I love that song. Yeah. And then just to see uh, Tim Burton just go crazy for Elephants on Parade. Yeah. Like, I, I'm expecting that to be like a 10 minute number for him. Well, because this isn't a remake, though. This is a sequel. Okay. You, I think it it isn't it, isn't it supposed to like set after the events of the first one? I think it will continue past the first one, but I think a lot of it is still setting up the beginning because in this trailer we meet Timothy Mouse, uh, we see two, yeah, yeah, at the very beginning of the trailer, the the two kids come in and take the cloth off the rat cage, and it's a mouse in the in the you know hat and vest. I forgot that part entirely. <laughs> I watched it like an hour ago. Oh, okay. For some reason I remember. Um, we get to meet the mouse. We see uh, Miss Jumbo being carted away, which is part of the movie. Oh, okay. It's um, oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, you, you see him in the in the clown face paint, which is part of the movie. Um, we, we, we've seen everything except the racist crows. Right. Uh, I did see a, a great meme, and it was uh, Dumbo wearing his clown paint and then a photo of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Mm-hmm. It's like that feeling when you both wear the same costume to a party. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's pretty good. But, I mean, that, that trailer just on its own is, like, very emotional. I feel like the movie's going to just wreck me. Oh, it's going to destroy many people, yeah. and I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the... Passing of real life living legends doesn't have any effect on me whatsoever, but a CG when an baby elephant, elephant its mom. yeah, who gets like mildly tussled around by a kind of obnoxious guy, just right to the fields. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw Dumbo? I've never seen Dumbo. Really? No. Oh man, you're in for some emotional gut punches then. I bet I am. Because that yeah. whole there's nothing happy about anything in that movie. It's kind of what I've heard. Except except when he, so. A lot of people like play up how much he flies in the original Dumbo. He only flies for the last 30 seconds of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. The whole movie is him just getting, because I, I, you know, in Disney trivia time, his name isn't Dumbo. His name is Jumbo Jr. God. They call him Dumbo because everyone is making fun of him and his big ears. 
But, uh, like, they're just playing off the word dumb? Yeah. That's not very clever. Why would they call the movie that? Because uh, they want people to forget that his name is Jumbo Jr. That's just a fine name. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and so, like, everyone's make everyone makes fun of him. His mom tries to protect him. And when they do that, they lock her up. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you sing Baby Mine. And then since he's the smallest of the elephants, he's going on, on the top of the... He's basically like a like a free diver. Yeah. But as an elephant where he stands on top of all of the other creatures and has to jump into like a tiny pool. And that's when he's in the clown makeup. Oh. He can't fly yet, by the way. That's a big, oh. that's a big point here. He doesn't know how to fly. Uh, and so he's too scared to do it. And so the ringleader is like abusing him. Uh, and then he meets Timothy mouse and they get drunk. And that's when you get elephants on parade. Uh, and then he wakes up with, uh, with a feather one of the crow's feathers and you have the Jim Crow's Crows, I know. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then they're like, have you ever seen an elephant fly? And then he flies and the movie ends. What the fuck? Right. Oh, God. There's nothing happy about that movie. Well, don't worry. They're going to stretch it out to a solid two hours of just pure sadness. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but the biggest news of this week, she got the whole internet in a tizzy oh my god yeah i got a text about this actually oh man my i i i don't know if i just like went crazy on my on my company when this trailer came out but i was so excited we got a trailer for detective pikachu voiced by ryan reynolds i remember when they announced that i'm like what well do you remember who was uh what so we got the Japanese game trailer first. Okay. Because it was uh, Ken Watanabe oh. was, doing the, was doing the Japanese voice. And so everyone wanted it to be like that deep voice. Yeah. And so then there was a fan campaign to get Danny DeVito to voice Pikachu. Oh, my God. Uh, which someone made. They did? Yeah. Someone cut clips from the trailer and put in Always Sunny audio. Oh, I got to go watch that. Pikachu was talking. And it's so good. But Ryan Reynolds is amazing in it. He he looks really really good. I'm so excited for this movie. It's I mean it looks because I I kind of actively dislike Pokemon actually. Oh, like, I, I think God, I'm, I'm just beyond ambivalence, slightly into the negative camp actually. And I don't have any good reason to. I've just never given two shits about Pokemon. Well, I feel like you're um, there was a, a comedian that talked about it of like if you're over thirty then the people that played Pokemon were either your younger siblings or the kids you just hated. Well, see, that's the funny thing is, one, I'm not over 30, asshole. And Aren't you like 37? <laughs> yeah, well, spiritually. Spiritually, I'm even older than that. Mm -hmm. But also, that's the funny thing is my older brother had Pokemon cards. I just never oh, heard wow. it. He never, he never really played Pokemon, mind you. Okay. And none of us, none of us ever really watched it either. But yeah, like my, it was huge for my younger cousins. Mm -hmm. Never my thing. It's never my thing. I was like, don't give a shit. Sorry. I, I was obsessive enough for multiple people. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you usually are pretty good about that. Yes. Uh, Do you I've, need someone to be obsessed about something? Don't worry. Cameron's got your back. I got you guys. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. The trailer Do you need someone was... to love Harry Potter and never have read a single one of the books? Don't worry. Cameron's got you. Don't worry. I've listened to the book seven times. Uh, God damn it. But so, sorry, we're, we're stretching news out way longer than we should. I just want to do one one quick list of things. Okay. Uh, because as I was on IMDb this morning trying to find trailers that I missed, all of the Christmas movie trailers came out at the same time. And when scrolling through, there were 41 
trailers for holy Christmas shit for just this year oh coming out in the next five weeks oh, oh my god and i'm gonna do a quick readout All of right. some of my favorites uh we're starting with uh magic christmas ornaments Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas in Vermont starring Chevy Chase Christmas in the Smokies Miss Christmas Home for Christmas Day Christmas with the Prince My Christmas Prince Christmas Calendar Finding Santa Nine Lives of Christmas A Very Merry Mix-Up 48 Christmas Wishes Christmas Switch Christmas Catch Mistletoe Promise Enchanted Christmas Hometown Holiday Snowed in Christmas Not Snowed in Christmas Okay, worth clarifying <laughs> uh, And Christmas Under Wraps uh, What about Christmas Chronicles The Netflix one And with- Christmas Chronicles <laughs> that's, a, that's what I'm most excited for but oh my oh my god it's easier to spread what across like hallmark and netflix mm-hmm. and amazon and hulu and all the streaming uh, services and uh freeform freeform of course of yeah. course yeah they probably have a dozen all on their own and i'm so excited to watch every one of them oh my god well <laughs> i know what all of your plugs will be for, <laughs> for the, the next, next five month. weeks so i watched six christmas movies yesterday oh my god well you know someone has to watch them yeah thank god they have you yeah but that's uh, all I have. That's that's all you have. Okay. Are you right. ready to start the episode? <laughs> yeah, I think we can get to it now. Um, so we yeah, we just have one per our our new system. Well, Titans going on. We just have one Batman Beyond episode this week. Uh, Terry's friend dates a robot. I loved this episode, Chris. I I had mixed feelings about it. I think so. When when the episode opens, I saw it was written by Paul Dini. I saw that too, and I'm like, always oh, a good sign. Yeah. It might be his worst episode, but I loved it so much. It, you know, I mean, I will, I will say, I'm glad it was in his hands because mm-hmm. I think he does bring spark to it. Um, I'll refer. It's his least best episode. I think that's a good way of putting it. And, and look, I mean, the the plot is basically right there in the title. It's just like one of Terry's kind of loser friends can't get a date, and so he dates a robot who is too loyal to him and so as soon as other girls start getting an interest in him the robot fights back and chaos ensues mm-hmm. um it's you know why i loved it so much why this is this could have been an episode of danny phantom or an episode of kim possible yeah it, it does and it's, it's the first time it felt like one of those shows it, it does feel like exactly this feels like a kid's show plot line mm-hmm. that we'd see somewhere and because I, I was trying to think about whether this works or not, you know, because I think we can always give the writers benefit of the doubt of trying to make sure their characters are given empathy and depth. And I think especially with someone like Paul Dini, like in Dini, we trust, mm-hmm. you, know, you can always count on him for depth to try to put in the best work. But do you, I don't know. I, I feel like this show tends to lean on tropes really heavily, mm-hmm. but I guess you kind of have to, right? I mean, it's, you got, 21 22 minutes to tell a story you have to establish characters and arcs and threads and emotions like instantaneously and the easy way to do that is to lean on our preconceived stereotypes or expectations of something so i mean i guess it makes sense they would just go for the really schlubby loser who doesn't have any self-awareness and can't get a girl and doesn't know why mm-hmm. well I guess there's no question in there. That was just, there, there is no question. Statement. I, I don't I mean, did you like, did you feel they could have done more to make Howie more sympathetic or more well-rounded? Or do you I think, think if, that this was about all he really could have ever been based on the plot? I think if they would have introduced him in another episode where they didn't oh, also have to like, okay. yeah, yeah. we didn't have to 
learn how much of a loser he was while it's all going on. That's a, that's a really good point, actually, because if, if that becomes, I mean, I if guess he was just like even a background character. And it's the same thing with Willie Watts. I think we would have cared more. Yeah. If we just saw them in the background, like in the in the first episode, we saw uh, not Dash, not Flash. Nash. Nelson Nash. Nelson Nash. Nelson. Nash. <laughs> Nelson. We saw him Nash. just like beating up one of these two kids. Right, yeah. pushing him against the locker, and then you know Terry kind of loses his cool, uh, and you know we don't we don't have to see him care about those two, but just see that they're already lower on the food chain. Yeah, and you know they're kind of like in the background of the conversations. Because I think you're right. Because I think that would have made the whole world feel a bit more fleshed out too. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, it's not just main characters like come back and have some significance. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it felt like they were kind of rehashing similar territory though, because you know it's yet again another nerdy kid at the high school who wants to get a date and can't and blade seems to basically only ever show up when one of those characters appears in the show yeah he's there uh who's the the girl in weird science oh i don't remember I'm trying, I mean, that, that too that too she is for them though yeah oh, um kelly lebrock is the actress that's good enough. I don't remember the characters. I've actually never... Maybe I think I've seen that movie once in its entirety. Okay. I don't it's, think I've ever seen it. It's, it's interesting. It's worth talking about at some point. Okay. Um, yeah, it just... it. I, I guess it just felt like they were... I guess they were rehashing a character type, even if it wasn't necessarily rehashing a story. But I, I don't know. It just... I mean, it had, it had some fun stuff in there. And also, did you catch who voices Howie? I, I looked him up, and I didn't recognize him. Well, I guess you probably wouldn't. See something from James Bond. No. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's Max Brooks. Okay. The son of Mel Brooks. Gotcha. But I don't okay. think Mel Brooks ever had the same sort of, like, impact on you that it did on me. Like, I don't think you... Have you seen any Mel Brooks movies? So Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah I love Spaceballs. I've seen Spaceballs, um, Blazing, Blazing Saddles, Saddles, Young I've, Frankenstein. I've not seen Young Frankenstein. It's his best. Um, okay, that's what I've heard. Yeah. And then... Um, but, okay, but th- those weren't ever, like, touchstone films for you. Like Spaceballs I've, was. Okay. Spaceballs was kind of my first... Because, I mean, I grew up in the in the, in the the parody era of... Right. You know, disaster movie here of... Uh, oh, God, what are, the, what are the big ones? Scary movies. Scary movies, one, two, three, yeah. four. Okay, but Mel Brooks was never, like, a... No, I know, I know. An I'm icon the, for you in the same... Like, oh, yes, I agree Yeah, like, because I grew up knowing who Mel Brooks was mm-hmm. and always loving, like, everything associated with him, the producers, obviously. And then, so his son, Max, a super interesting guy, because he... So he wrote World War Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does some voice acting and, uh, he also, he's basically an expert on like military strategy and military history. And he is like, he has a residency at, I want to say Annapolis. Okay. Yeah. Like he teaches military courses at military colleges. Interesting. Yeah. He's, he's a really, really interesting, fascinating. I've listened to a couple podcasts, interviews with him. He, he's a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forgot that he did like voiceover work. It's a random to see him throw it in there. So yeah. A little shout out there from Max Brooks. Uh, I think we're, we're glossing over a very important topic that Gotham has an underground sex robot market. Yeah. This is. Which mm. is. It's so topical to today, actually. It is actually. We, we, we're basically there, and uh, yeah, I mean, we not we are there. We are. We Houston are there. Houston has banned sex robots. The town, the town, Houston, Houston, Texas, 
had a big because uh, someone wanted to open up a a, a robot brothel. Oh, and I Christ. wish I was making this story up, but I am not. Houston, Texas wanted to open a robot brothel. And the town of Houston said, not just you, but we will never have a robot sex brothel <laughs> anywhere and Wait. has banned the use of sex robots. Like anywhere like it's well, illegal in your, in your to... private house you can have okay it. it's yeah. illegal to possess it i'm gonna be honest this sounds like a florida thing yes this sounds like a florida story but the big difference is if this happened in florida it would go ahead oh for sure yeah like instead if it were a florida story it'd be like man actually eaten by gator after he passes out at a sex robot brothel yes Poor and there's florida. meth involved somewhere in there mm-hmm. too just to round things out but yeah, God, and, uh, yeah, Gotham has his own thing because Terry goes to uh, this robot manufacturer, Synth something, to get more uh, training robots. Because there's kind of a cool opening scene where Terry is fighting um, Killer Croc, Two Face, Riddler, and, and the Riddler. Yeah, um, all done in that look of the new Batman Adventures, and we realize it's a, a digital simulation, and then the robots are real. Kind of a fun scene, getting a chance to see all those guys again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, while he's there, he brings along Howie, and Howie's like, oh, I'll take one of those. And can we, Okay, also along those lines, the guy who makes them is the creepiest looking cartoon He looked character. like John Waters. I think he was supposed to be John Waters. He does kind of look like John... Maybe that's a trivia point here, too. Because he does... Yeah, he looks like... A, he's like somewhere between John Waters and Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Two what, great men. What? what? <laughs> The irony, of course, being both those people are amazing. Yes, uh, but what a what a fucking look that guy have, has. Have you seen um, the SNL skit "Do the Creep"? Yes, yes, that's exactly what he was. Do the creep, ah, do the creep, ah, ah. I love that song. Such actually. a good song. I forgot about that song. Oh, mm-hmm. gotta go watch that after this. Let's see. I, I gotta look like a photo of this guy again because it's just it's so disturbing. Yes. Uh, so he's selling sex robots in the back of this syntho syntho core corp, uh, and so Howie goes to him, and is like, "Hey, I want, I want, I want a sex toy, please." So I wrote "Night of the Living Sex Robot." <laughs> um, Cynthia, he names her Cynthia. Yeah, brings her to school to make everyone jealous because well, he basically wants to use, he wants to have the the nineteen forties mentality of. Having an attractive woman next to you makes you more popular. I do have a note about that. Does that work? Is that like... I don't know. I went to an all-guy school. Fair enough. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't successful at dating in high school at all. I, does that work? I mean, I guess it's one of those things like if you're in demand, like, I don't know. If someone else is... If you're dating, if you're dating someone, then I guess like, oh, like, that person's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want what you can't have. Yeah, you always want what you can't have. And, like, mm-hmm. they're, like, quote, unquote, like, verified or whatever. Like, oh, like, okay. Well, it's versus... it's the idea of, like, oh, if, you know, I'll, I'll use the, the very horrible number system. Uh, if a, a six is dating a ten, other nines are going to see that and wonder what the six has that makes him good enough for a ten. That's true. So yeah. now the nines want to get in on it. I, so, yeah, because he, he gets this this robot who has this very stern look on her face mm-hmm. all the time. It, well, else we, we need knowledge why she's called Cynthia. Yeah. Syntho. 
He's, he's like, Synth- oh, it's a synth. Uh, Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah. Cynthia. Nailed it. Well done, Howie. Mm-hmm. But- I think my favorite one of those will always be in Family Guy when, <laughs> when Peter's trying to make up a name. Yes. Uh, a pee's on his plate. Someone's crying. P tear. And then a fucking griffin. <laughs> just ah! Buster. Griffin. Peter Griffin. Ah, damn it. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that is the best one. It's like peak Family Guy right there. That oh, I mean, peak Family Guy was many, many years ago. Yes. But I guess... This is a yet another episode where women are treated like objects of desire and to be possessed. Yes. And owned. Yes. And I don't feel like there's enough commentary to point out why that's all bad. There's Correct. a little bit from Terry, but that's him more just being like, don't you think you're being shallow? Mm-hmm. Not being like, don't you think you can like exist and be self-confident on your own? without the validation or without the need to like show off by having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it was very much him showing off. It was, it was a lot of like, uh, using women to raise his social status. Yeah. I guess that's it. It's just, it's a lot of these stories are along the lines of using women for something, raise social status, sex mm-hmm. kind of alluded to in this case as well. It's a very like dirty episode too. Well, it is, yeah, because like at one point there's like the big the big house party at the end of the episode, and Cynthia is dragging Howie off to the no. Bed. Howie drags Cynthia because he wants to talk to her about oh not right and his yeah. Friends. And Chow's like, oh, what are you guys up to, huh? Uh, and then you hear <laughs> then you hear Howie the you know doors close and you hear Howie like, no, Cynthia, don't touch, stop, stop touching me. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and then the the two outside who are very much the stoners, because uh, they're sitting on the stair with just a bowl of Cheetos, yep. talking very slow. Good old Cheetos. Uh, and like, sounds like Howie's having a good time in there. I'm like, wow. All right, so we're we're going all in on this, aren't we? Yeah. It, but okay. But what what did you like about it? Like, because you said you really liked this episode. Just like, because what? it felt so much like it. Like this could this. I feel like is a plot of a Danny Phantom episode, and I just don't remember it. It probably is. Because uh, in uh, Kim Possible, you have Killer B, who's kind of similar to this character, mm-hmm. uh, who's just uh, a, a female robot who okay. wants to rule the world. I think they're called that. Weren't they like more or less fembots in Kim Possible 1.2? Um, probably. I don't think so. I seem to recall like an army of like gray lady bots. They they were they were silver with blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay. Um, but there was also, um, the uh, I doubt this is what you're thinking of because I don't think you ever watched. Did you ever watch My Life as a Teenage Robot? I did. Oh, <gasps> I really liked that show. I, that's such a good show. It's a really good show. Yeah. Uh, because then they also had those robots. The um, not the hive. But um, it was it was the queen the queen robot from the other, from another world who wanted XJ nine. Oh yeah. BB. That's what I'm thinking of. Hmm. BB. Impossible. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Killer. The, the killer bees. Yeah. Lady bots. They're basically yeah. fembots. Yeah. 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 They didn't call themselves fembots. I was trying to think of something else. That would, well, that yeah. Would use but that like, name. that's the shorthand. Yes. They're basically fembots. Yes. They probably don't have machine gun nipples that we know. Maybe of. Maybe they did. I don't know. 
But yeah, that's there's essentially a reason what they they're were. triangles. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely got some like 1960s perky boobs thing going on mm-hmm. here. Hmm. I mean, that was just the art of Kim Possible, though. Yeah, that's kind of true. But okay, yeah, see, I was right. Yes, you were right. I apologize. But, uh, God, got to argue with me on everything, don't you? Yes. Okay, so for you, the episode was fun because it fit that mold of like a classic kids' cartoon. Yeah, because um, this was the first. I feel like this was the least Batman we had in an episode, where it was almost entirely done as Terry. This is true, yeah. And that that feels very similar to 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 a Danny Phantom episode where he has to be Danny for the majority of it to try and help. Yeah. And then when it gets out of hand, he has to become the Phantom. Mm, it's true. Maybe that's part of it for me. Is, is maybe it just felt a little bit juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it just it seemed like it lacked some nuance. Like it, it, it felt like it lacked a level of commentary needed to mm-hmm. justify its stereotypes and dated gender politics. Yes. But then again, I have to remind myself, of course, it's dated gender politics. It's two, it's it was made in the year fucking 2000. Yes. Yeah, so like when we get the same year you were born, same year I was I wasn't even born yet, man. <laughs> um, when we get to the short list, I I won't put this on the short list, but I will say like this is a fun. I think it's a fun episode if you just need to, to turn your brain off for a minute. No, that's I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is. I think it's it's if you if you want the feel of a Saturday morning cartoon, yeah. I feel like this is the best example so far. I think it is fun. I think it's mostly harmless mm-hmm. um, because how he does his does get like his just desserts and the whole thing because his house blows up. Yeah, because Cynthia goes crazy and like my God, that robot. Oh, I even did wrote a that. lot of damage. She, I wrote she got friend zoned to death. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, oh, we can just be friends. And then she just, like, goes crazy. She blows she, up. Yeah, I was like, mm, okay, this is a little, uh, a little bit much. But, yeah, when she blows up, she takes, like, the whole house with her. Mm-hmm. I was like, how much explosive? Like, what, what does she power by that would blow up in that way? I, you know, power of love, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Howie's parents have to come in at the end there and be like, what did you do to the house? Well, because I was most concerned when Batman first shows up uh, and he just punches her through the TV, the wall sized TV. Oh, yeah. The flat screen TV. And I just gasped, gasped, because like in, in 2000, flat screens were expensive still. They were. Yeah. I mean, you you could barely even get a flat screen. In I remember when my when my mom got our first flat screen and it was like six to eight thousand dollars yeah they were crazy and she was crazy so expensive. proud of it she sold the pool table for it and mom if you're listening i still hold a grudge against <laughs> you selling that pool table uh well if my parents are listening i know they weren't uh thanks guys for keeping the pool table and the flat screen for a while but they, my parents did eventually sell our pool table too oh man what what a horrible childhoods we had cameron to be given in home pool tables it's, it's amazing only that to I, have them taken away from it's us it's amazing i haven't become a super villain yet <laughs> Same. i haven't become pool master Same. <gasps> oh or i'd shave my head and become cue ball <gasps> cue ball that's a great name for a villain i feel like that has to be a villain already looking it up also what is going on outside right know. now there's some some dog i don't want to say dog fighting but it's so not. yeah so listeners as you well know like i live in west hollywood record at my apartment and there are nothing but dogs in West Hollywood. Everyone has a dog. We mm-hmm. have a dog in our apartment. He's lovely. Yes. And but, quiet. And quiet. That's the thing. Yogi's very quiet. He's very well behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some dog in the neighborhood 
who can't like see a leaf on the ground Contain without just going into a full on yapping barking fit. Mm-hmm. And this is ha- and I'll wake up early, but this is happening at like six o'clock in the morning sometimes. You can hear their owner being like, no, like don't shh no 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 and like try harder. Yeah. All right. Some of us are already awake but wish we were still sleeping. I, I told you about the the fucking crows, right? You have, oh, you have like crows like caw outside your apartment, right? Not just caw, but like full on mating call at all times of the morning. Oh, yeah. Those goddamn horny crows. Five a.m. That that's booty call time for crows. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm still trying to see if there's a villain. Q-ball, did you type in cue ball villain? <clears throat> no. Did you type in cue ball? Chris. I also forget how to spell cue ball sometimes. C U E B A L L. I know how to spell ball. <laughs> I was like Q U E. Q U E U E. Eight ball is a character. Yeah, like, Q ball ape- is a Dick Tracy character. There I mean, we Q-ball go. Q ball is yep. a Dick Tracy character. Mm-hmm. I yeah. knew I'd heard it before. Villains of the Multiverse update. I don't think that's anything official. It looks like a fan art sort of thing. Yeah, but okay, there's an eight ball who is. Comic Vine, what comic is Eight Ball from? Ooh, no, I'm changing it because I'm I'm digging my alliteration from recently. Okay, I'm gonna be the 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 billiard bully. <laughs> what about the billiard ball buster? Uh, that's a good one too. <laughs> the billiard bully, I like that though. The billiard bully. <laughs> it's so it sounds so non-threatening. The bullyard ball? No, no, no. no I well, tried. That's another. She tries. Well, let's move. Let's move on to Titans because I think okay. I think we've, we've covered. Yeah, there. I, there I don't, yeah. Well, it, we'll, we'll go. We have we have a, a few minutes to spare. It's how it's would, okay. How would you change this episode if you could? Okay. Write write me this script for 2018. Okay, so I mean, I guess because I have an idea. I, okay, so let's let's say we're gonna still keep it with like. The nerdy guy who can't get a girl. Mm-hmm. One, I wouldn't make him so nerdy looking mm-hmm. and dorky. Um, I would maybe try and make him a little bit more just kind of like a normal guy who just like isn't successful. Like, and he's like very, because we all know those people, I refer to them as uh, social predators, which sounds in hindsight worse than it intends to be. But it's like those people who you know who are really really friendly but they're just kind of meh um and i could see him being maybe one of those kind of guys or just like you know he's he's nice but like he's not the sort of person you really want to date necessarily and so he kind of gets to the last resort i mean also maybe you gotta like make it beyond just a guy lusting after a girl. Maybe we got to be a little more modern about it. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's a girl lusting after. Because mm, that's the story I want. Maybe it's a girl lusting after a guy. I or, want. Or maybe it's like a guy lusting after another guy. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like we need to change it up a little bit. I, th- I just, my big thing is trying to avoid tropes and trying to avoid um, having women be objects of desire and status. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That might be a little more interesting. Maybe it also doesn't have to be like, about romance per se maybe it has more just be like you know wanting to be part of like the cool circle of friends robot cult yeah it's like (laughs) maybe that's it maybe like so your solution is like to have like that super awesome friends like like oh this is my 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 buddy and everyone's like 
I don't know. He's like a robot Fonzie or something like that yes. to use a super data reference trying to describe a modernized version of this. Mm-hmm. And so everyone just like wants to hang out that friend. All of a sudden, then you just like kind of getting pushed aside a little bit. And then it becomes more about your like maybe jealousy coming back into play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way I'd approach it. Yeah, I think that's what I would do. I wouldn't have it be about romance. It'd just have it be about someone who's a little bit of a social outcast who wants to be considered cool. And they can't really make themselves cool, so they're going to be cool by association. Mm-hmm. And they get like a, a sweet, cool James Dean-style robot, to use another super data reference. So I, I just realized why I say this is similar to a Kim Possible episode. Is this a Kim Possible this episode? This is a Kim Possible episode. Really? This is, a Kim, this is the Kim Possible movie. This is so the drama. Is it? Yes. But with, with gender switch. Because okay. you mentioned that, I'm like, hold on, I've seen this episode before. And yes, Dr. Draken creates a synthro a syntho drone, which is why it all felt so familiar. Yeah. That is a, a hot teenage guy that goes to school with Kim and asks Kim to the prom before Ron can. Oh, this all sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. Oh, in, in an attempt to distract her while Draken works on his plan uninterrupted. Oh, okay. Because I have seen so the drama once, yes. way back in the day. Oh, it's so good. Um, I'm not gonna say it's better than Stitch in Time, but it's on par, at least. Why did this thing chime? Oh, I had the volume on because you're a, a poor podcaster. Because <laughs> I am. I, I muted my iPad. I'm still getting notifications. God damn it. Um, well, okay, I'm looking at so the drama here. Where's? Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's hunky. What's his name again? Um, oh God, I don't, I don't know. It's not important. I'm going to go with Tony. It's not Tony. Nakasumi? No, that's the the robot manufacturer. Uh, at the beginning of the, the, at the beginning of the episode slash movie, Draken steals plans for a new toy from Takasumi core, um, which is then thwarted by Kim. Uh, and then. Eric? Eric, that's it. Eric. Oh, yep. Eric. Um, well, there we go. Now we know. Yes. It's been done. It's been done much better, too. And done better. Because, God, so the drama is so good. It's one of those things I should go revisit at some point. I think you. I think everyone should. Yeah. I do want to go back and watch Kim Possible. Cause remember that being a show that was really fun it, and It's clever. all on the Disney app. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to get on it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Titans. Titans. Guys, I didn't hate it this week. You didn't? I didn't hate it this week. What, okay, what'd you like about it? Uh, it was still worse than the Young Justice episode. Okay, because you, you made references before we started recording, or maybe while we were recording. I don't remember. Um, what was the Young Justice version of this? It's the same one that we talked about with Robin's Reckoning. The one where um, he goes back to the circus undercover. Oh, right. Oh, um, okay. I, that plot element. I was thinking, yes. I thought you were referencing the Jason Todd element. No, no, no. Sorry. Not the Robin, not the Robins. Okay. Um, no, because the ending specifically uh, kind of made me frustrated a- after the whole fiasco when he's with um, the, the weightlifter. Yeah. I forgot his name already. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Clyde? No, what does matter? Atlas, I think, was the character, the the weightlifter. Sure, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, when when he reveals that he is Robin, mm-hmm. and then because he's kind of the the brawn of her brain, he's like, "Oh, well, does Bruce know that you're Robin?" Oh, yeah. I did not like that at all. I kind of liked and it, and I I love it so much more when in the Young Justice episode when 
Dick is is kind of back doing his stunts and is Robin where the the ring the ringleader I think it's Haley, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Haley was there. Yeah. And he knew just from his movements. He's like I when I see a Grayson fly, you never forget it. Yeah. And that's very so much moment. more heartwarming yeah, it is. than having to like ha- explain well, everything. Cuz it that's going coming from a place of like an emotional pull rather than like oh we're going to end on a joke. Yeah. And I, I wish they would have done the emotional side of it cuz this mo- this episode not a not a lot of emotion and I no. feel like that would have cuz even when you see the death of all of his circus mates he's yeah, very he's not flat very still. affected by it. Yeah. Also, can we can we just talk about um the casting choices on this? Mm-hmm. So I, cause I Specifically, when they got to that scene where it's the, it's the opening sequence is the, the funeral of John and Mary Grayson. Mm-hmm. And my first note was, why is Bruce not there? And they explain it, that Dick hasn't yet gone to live with him. Mm-hmm. But as I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, so they probably, clearly put out a casting call for like, people who look like they could be in a circus, but look kind of normal enough to pass off as normal people, but just not quite. It, it, was, it was like circus folk light. It was it was the background actors from Greatest Showman. Yes, that's exactly it. Because I like, think two of the people were from Greatest were from Showman. Greatest Showman. Yeah, they had that, that look of like, okay, you look circus esque, but mm-hmm. like you look like you're supposed to clearly be part of a circus, but you don't actually look. like You you're look part like of a you could walk around and a few people would look at you. Yeah, but they wouldn't like stop. Yeah, it's just a, such a weird casting decision that they brought all of them back for like a hot second because they all got killed mm-hmm. um, by the. The son of Tony Zuko, who's now using the Moroni crime family's method of acid bullets. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Fucking acid <laughs> bullets? Like that that's a calling card right there. Because, okay, because I get it. All right. So the Moroni crime family, their whole thing is acid. They even make reference to Two Face, the the ropes that cut through mm-hmm. or the, the acid just cut well, through. Well they even he Dick even references that Zuko's nickname was the melting man. Oh, I forgot that part. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. So it's all there. But then, like, that's me made sense. But then as soon as it became acid bullets, I'm like, this is so dumb. Yeah. That part in particular was, like, because I also love, too, because at, at the end when they're in the warehouse and the cops show up because there were, like, reports of gunfire, one gunshot happened, and it was a fucking acid bullet, which doesn't even have, like, the full, like, bang of an actual gun. Yes. What the fuck? But then they all die. But okay, sorry. Wait, you yeah, you were talking about why you liked this episode. Oh yeah, uh, I I don't know. I just I I just in like a, a happier place watching this episode. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's a dark place these days. I don't know. Yeah, we I, we, we 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 reverted back to our original. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, I was worried about that for a second. Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, there were things I liked the dynamic of bringing in Jason Mm -hmm. and I thought his characterization was done pretty well where he felt earnest he felt naive he felt reckless it's everything you brought up last week Mm -hmm. and everything I feel like it's everything you wanted from him we got yeah and I think he was a good foil especially at the end in the in the last scene when he just destroys the cops just mercilessly beats the shit out of the cops Mm -hmm. yeah which I guess they kind of set up on the episode ish um, but I mean, it's also, it's a nice foil to Dick in the sense of like, oh, this is what happens when someone like is even worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I kind of, I, I did like his inclusion because you do feel like it does reflect back on Dick and you get a sense that he might be learning a lesson here. And so I, I liked him in the episode. He was, 
they gave him just enough to be kind of likable and a little bit charismatic and a little bit sympathetic. Like we got enough of his backstory to know that he's had a really rough, rough life. So we kind of get why he's so barbed and why it's kind of dangerous for someone like this to be put in this position. Um, but like enough to still make him like, okay, he's, he's like annoying, but kind of likable. Mm-hmm. He's like that douchey guy who'd be like, Oh, Hey, yeah. Like nice to see you chat for like two minutes. Like I, I'm done. Oh, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't talk to him for more than this. Where's I'm my leaving. notes. I wrote, I wrote in my notes, uh, that I'm getting horrible college flashbacks seeing Jason at the bar. Too many frat douchebags that I know. Yeah, right. Just That's exactly who he was. He it, he he was the guy that walks into a bar and immediately decides that everything in there is his. Yeah, he's obnoxious, mm-hmm. and he just uh, he just picks fights with people for no good reason. But I guess that's just what he has to do. Yeah, and it's, well, I guess, it was, for me, it was him showing off to Dick that he's better. Oh, I guess in that. With the bar fight moment. No, not the bar fight moment, oh, okay, but, but just kind of the whole episode. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm not just your replacement. I'm your upgrade. Yeah. And he, he wanted to show that off. While also still, like, admiring this guy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, please, like, like me, but also let me prove to you that I'm better than you. Like, that yeah. all that fit well. And I thought this was a pretty accurate characterization of Jason Todd mm-hmm. all the way through. Um, I You know, I would like to see him come back around i would like to see more of him in this i just don't know what more you can do i feel like they kind of played the best card for the context of like oh he's annoying this will help push you further along the path of like not being robin anymore Mm -hmm. um especially like just the constant insults of oh yeah like you know you don't have access to the safe houses anymore and i get to drive the batmobile i i kind of wish because dick at least his represent his representation in young justice Dick is an expert hacker. Yeah. And I would I would have loved to see him like uh like have, you know, him type in his password it fails. Jason come up he's like, "Oh, let me type in the new password." And just be like, "No, I got this." And just yeah. hack into into Batman's system. Yeah, so not constantly being on the the back foot and mm-hmm. still being able to show off a little bit with his skills. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. Cuz that's something that we haven't seen at all from him. Yeah, cuz it was kind of repetitive in that sense. And yeah, you're right. We we haven't the most tech we've seen of him was sneaking a hard drive in and getting security footage. Right. Yeah, but that's, actually, that's a pretty good point. We've seen him being a really good fighter, and mm-hmm. sometimes, in a, some scenes, like a really, really good fighter. But yeah, we haven't actually seen a lot of his other skills. Really well, I think that's off. the problem with every Batman story, is no one knows how to write him as a detective. Yeah, and that, that's true. And that, that, that kind of doubles for Dick, because, you know, he... He is he's literally a detective. He's literally now. a detective now. And yeah. he has yet to do any detective work. Yeah, like I think we need to see more of him being a detective. I think we need to see him being more of an acrobat, too. That's kind of always been his thing. Mm-hmm. We're just not seeing a lot of that. Um and well, because they just rely on CGI for that stuff. That's true, they do. And even when it like the the moment we could have had it in this episode was already in silhouette. Hire a fucking stunt double. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Because we just we don't see that we don't see him being very charismatic either, not at all. Which again, I mean, that's probably frankly still part of the problem. The actor, because mm-hmm. like that's always been one of Dick's strengths is that he's really really charming. Because even because we even brought that up last week in the hotel when when the the woman working the front desk oh, yeah, was, was charmed by him. Yeah, and when he walked into the bar, I wanted that again. Yeah, just like. You know, some of the girls kind of t- like they didn't have to talk, but just have the extras in the background. Like as he walks by, just kind of like turn, like, and it's like and just like look. Um, yeah, I, I, thought that, I thought that would be really fun. I think that's part of it is that 
Dick Grayson should be one of those people that he walks into any room and everyone stops and looks. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think that's always been one of the fun dynamics between him and Bruce in a lot of like the comics and stuff too, is that Bruce always has like the, the card to play of being the billionaire, the billionaire. Right. And, and Dick is wealthy by association, mm-hmm. but, but doesn't have his face in the limelight like Bruce. does. Yeah. But like, I think Dick is, he's younger, hotter, fitter, you know, he's like, he's the young, hot version of Bruce. Yeah. But Bruce like, can then in turn play the fact, oh, I'm older, I'm more established, I have money, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We're just not seeing that here. Yeah. And I'm, I think my problem with the show continues to be Bruce's absence is now being problematic because we don't know what the objective truth is on him. What? You're tapping. I'm tapping. Yes. You can kind of hear it. Okay. I mean, you, you always <laughs> tell me when I do any kind of movement, you're like, I can hear it. And you're over here banging your chair. Well, I like to at least be consistent in my hypocrisy. Yes. But we, without actually meeting Bruce at any point, we just don't know what the reality is of the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. Like, he, it's hard to have a bunch of characters that are emotionally affected by someone who we, we have no association with. Right. Right, like this sort of like weird phantom presence, it just doesn't work anymore at this point. Like we need to actually meet him and get a sense of we need to get a bit of, of like, oh, here's where he's actually kind of a good guy at times, and here's where he's being a real piece of shit. Mm-hmm. We need to see him doing those things because without that, a lot of this doesn't land for me. Because because my big thing at the end of this episode is when we get the flashback of Robin watching Zuko die, and. I, I was expecting this to be the reason why he's a merciless. Yeah. Why he's merciless now. Same. But then it, it completely contradicts the beginning where he's in episode one. He said he's merciless because Batman. Yeah. And so now that doesn't make any sense. And so now, so now we have this big emotional pull, which is like his biggest emotional pull that doesn't really mean anything anymore. No. And cause he, he gives kind of the, the throwaway line of um, the same one he gave before. Once you see the, once you're a weapon, you only see the world as a weapon. Yeah. And he's like, when he says watching Zuko, you know, I watched Zuko die. Jason's like, oh, didn't it feel great? And he's like, that's the problem. Yeah. Is it did. Uh, but that that's I, for me that doesn't feel strong enough to be like, oh, well now, I have this thirst for murder. Yeah. Uh, where I can't restrain myself anymore. I feel like they they still have to there still has to be another beat, but it should have been this beat better yeah it's it's like there there's too many reasons mm-hmm. for things to be and and again you look back at robin's reckoning and that episode is so simple and like we're just we're given just enough information to understand why it's all significant and maybe part of it this is being done in flashback and so it loses some of its impact but i think it's also just getting stretched out mm-hmm. like so much of this could have been taken care of way up front and like i like pieces of this episode i like some of the things it's addressing but it also really slows down the momentum of the show to deal with something that sh- kind of could have been dealt with a long time ago it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah so halfway in we're given like a reason why he's so murderous but like to your point just now but that's not the actual reason why he's so murderous yes it's like just take care of that up front and then have the rest of the show being him trying to overcome it but don't keep teasing like oh this is the reason why just kidding and also this is the second full robin episode we've had 
we finally have the whole gang back together. And then this happens. And then immediately have a, a Robin solo episode. Yeah. And it really, the whole pacing slows down a lot. Yeah. Like one of the best moments in the whole episode was when they all, sh- like the rest of the Titans show up at the safe house. And what, the 30 seconds are all together? Like, oh, this is the, like, the sort of fun we were having last week. Yes, I did I, I did really for. enjoy Beast Boy in this episode. Oh, you're like, oh, can I be like, Robin? Like, how many Robins are there? So many Robins? Can what? I be Robin? Stop talking, Beast Boy. Can I be Robin? Robin? Yeah. See, like, that's all really fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, I think when it's just, again, it's focusing all on Robin's backstory, it really slows down. I just get bored with it. Yeah. I think it's also, to your point of you brought up, you've been bringing up a few times now, of you've been enjoying this show more because you don't have a connection to these characters. Yeah. Since we talk about Robin every single week for the past 102 weeks. Right. uh, I feel like we've kind of oversaturated ourselves with those stories. And so seeing it again and again. Yeah. We've already mentioned the, at least two other references when we've seen this story and both are done better yes because again they're done with efficiency mm-hmm. and maybe part of my problem right now is i'm particularly sensitive to franchise stretching um <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about yeah but star wars yeah star wars <laughs> all all star wars this, but that's what this this felt like a filler episode mm-hmm. right it, in the middle of what had been some really good momentum going forward because yes. yeah because literally the momentum we had coming from the last episode was the doctor who was asleep the entire episode yeah and then just like starfire gives him one kick and all of a sudden he's like oh what oh okay yeah i'm, I'm conscious now yeah and i won't tell you anything it was a little frustrating how he carried the doctor around just dragged him on the ground because he could have done it from his shoulders he could just dragged his feet but no he drags his leg and so his head is the is the thing I kind of liked everything. it. I kind of liked it. I, thought, I, I kind of liked that shot of like the two of them, Jason and Dick, dragging this guy down the hallway or down, uh, through the parking garage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- there were some nice moments. I liked uh, when Jason notices the the painting of Machiavelli and um, yes. Dick quotes him. Like it's very on the nose. Like really, Bruce, you'd have a painting of Machiavelli hanging in one of your safe houses. Oh, I, I wrote down the the quote because oh, I did? loved it a lot. Yeah. Um, if an injury has to be done to a man, it should be so severe that his vengeance should not be feared. Severity should be dealt with all at once, so their suddenness shall give less offense. Benefits shall be handed out drop by drop, so they so they may be relished relished the more. I like that. It is very like Batman, that. and I, I, that is ve- and that's. I mean, that's to some degree even reminiscent of the Batman of the DCAU. Like that, that really is a good descriptor of his character in general, and I just feel like. If we had seen him and we had seen those things, it would have more impact than just being told. Like again, it's a visual medium. Show don't tell. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Yeah, like screenwriting one hundred and one. Um, but I did like that. Uh, I did like the little glimpse we got of their Batmobile. It looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It looks like it had maybe a dual bubble canopy thing going on. It's a little bit like sixties. It had like a bit of the sixties one, bit of the uh, the Beatos one in there. I was like, oh, I want to see what the rest of this car looks like. Probably won't. I'm on. We probably won't. Um, what else did I like? Uh, oh, I like um, Robert Plinkins on his oh, ID. Oh, yeah, the, the fake ID and he doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, do you know who Robert Plinkins is? No. Uh, oh, we, I don't think we've watched this movie together. It's um, not, is it Kurt, Kurt Russell's in Escape from New York, oh, right? Ro- oh, Pliskin. Yes. yes oh, it's, it's, is that his first name? Because it's like Snake Pliskin is the yeah, character. So, yeah, from... so the, the bouncer says, not tonight, Snake. Oh. In reference to that, 
Yeah, so it was it was, an, it was a big escape from New York. I that child. That's pretty good. Um, oh, I did, I did love. So we were talking about the the flashbacks with Dick interacting with his friends at the circus. Mm-hmm. That actor is way too old to be behaving the way he was when he was seeing his friends. Yes. Like when the strong man like picks him up and like throw him in the air. He's like, oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Yeah, like, you're 14. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, he looked 14 or 15. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you were like eight or nine, I would buy this. I just, I love that Dick Grayson is, that actor is too young to be playing that version of that character. But then in turn, they've given us a young, yeah, an actor way too young to be playing an older Dick Grayson. Yeah, it's fa- it's fantastic, a fantastic irony. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm again, I'm still on board. I'm still on board with the show. I still keep seeing the potential. But the big, the big takeaway I had from this was being sad that this isn't part of a well crafted cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Because. I'm thinking about how, like, oh, I liked the just the inclusion of Jason Todd here. I like their characterization of it. I would love to see him, like, interact with Batman. I'd love to see him actually be Robin with Batman. I'd love to see, like, this taking the character eventually go down the Death in the Family route and the the Red Hood route. And you just get that feeling of, like, oh, right, if, if someone like Kevin Feige was running DC, and if we had a DC universe done in the marvel cinematic universe style we would have had a movie like this where like we would have had a nightwing movie which is about him leaving batman for whatever reason forgoing that identity and taking on a new one it probably would have involved jason todd at some point we could have had like an introduction of jason todd here we could have picked up his story again in a future batman film it would have been the same actor same character and it would have been really fleshed out and cool and interesting and that's not what we're getting well we don't that we don't know that for sure because like, I, 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 I relate this a lot to Superman, the animated series, where they weren't expecting it to be a giant universe. When I mean, they might have had that in the back of their mind when writing yeah. Superman. But like when we, when we got Flash, I don't think everyone was expecting Justice League to come out a few years later. No, I don't think so. But at the same time, do you really want to see like a Batman series set in the Titans universe? In, like, in the Titans tone? No. It's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like they're and they're all so disparate and they're all kind of a bit lazy. And I was just like, mm. mm-hmm. eh, I, I did enjoy. Um, Dick is very slowly opening up to to Corey a little more. Yeah, when they're on the phone, he's he is a little softer with her. He's like, you see the little cracks starting to open. Yeah, it's like, no, I, uh, she's playing therapist and she's winning. I mean, again, the more Starfire is in the show, the better. Mm-hmm. She continues to be the best character, hands down. Uh, let's see. I think that was. That's all you got. I think that might be all I have. Yeah. God, just just let's just talk. Take a minute to talk about the the scene of Jason beating up the cops. Cause holy cool. shit, that was graphic. It was. And that was painful. And I mean, and it does really come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get how the fallout of that is supposed to have an effect on Dick. But in the moment, it did seem really gratuitous. He, stacks, he snaps his spine. Yeah, I know. He goes full bane on one of the on one of the policemen. And I just that don't... was an awesome shot, though. I mean, yeah. When when they had him still in the the scene rotated around him, yeah, that was pretty awesome. But yeah, I agree with you. It just... But then you're like, oh, that's a cop. <laughs> just, yeah, and I think that's part of it. It's just and the comment that came to mind as I was watching that scene was like, oh right. This is the problem with the show. It's not about heroes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's missing the beat. 
is I think obviously flawed heroes are way more interesting than purely noble ones, but I, I don't really give a shit about anti-heroes. I just don't think that idea really works anymore. Yeah. And I, I feel like Marvel in a lot of ways actually kind of killed the anti-hero because they've proven that you can do really interesting flawed heroes mm-hmm. on their own. Absolutely. Which has been the staple of Marvel it's true. since yeah. the sixties. Yeah. That's that's the whole that was the whole point of Marvel was to show that you can relate to to the good guy. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's missing here. It's like that's what the DCAU does well, it's what Young Justice does well too. It's like, all right, this is about heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they are responsible for some of their own misery, but like they're still trying to be heroes at the end of the day. And it's their personalities are getting in the way. We're like, no one here is really trying to be a hero. They're all just kind of assholes. Yeah. Mm. Just a bunch of assholes. Cause that's, that's even the line from guardians of the galaxy. Oh yeah. Just a bunch of assholes sitting in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like the, those are like, they're kind of the closest anti-heroes that Marvel has, mm-hmm. but even then they're still like, okay fine we'll go be heroes it's, yeah they're still doing it for the greater good yeah and like actually, they, they like, just try to see how they can profit off of it later yeah like they're doing it for the actual greater good too not like grunderwald's greater good or hot fuzz greater good <laughs> um should we move along though let's do it yeah so uh we got some notes from friends here we did um one uh what kind of cool one here oh wait wait, wait sorry, sorry sorry last line uh the last line of the episode uh where's rachel I, I screamed it in my apartment. Rachel! Yes, because it's the same line from, from it's Dark That's Knight. been a, a distracting thing for me this entire show, actually. Same time anyone says Rachel. Mm-hmm. Mm, nope. Should have picked a different name. Yes. Um, okay, but yeah, so in terms of some notes here, got some got some fun stuff. Uh, you, you were actually... I got a note you, from a friend. Yeah. Yes, Maddie, our good friend Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to go into the details in case he wants to flesh this out more. Uh, in private, but we had a nice little discussion on how we would create uh, more Hanna-Barbera movies. Yeah. I had a great time talking to him. Uh, I let it slip that my, if we, if they were to make a Hanna-Barbera universe, uh, my, my Avengers movie would be Wacky Racers. Wacky Racers. Which would be so amazing. Could you imagine having like eight years leading up to a race? Yep. I love it. I'm all on board for it. It would so. be so dumb and so wonderful. So worth it, though. Mm. Um, uh, but what have, what have people been talking to you or us about? Uh, well, so one, uh, I think I sent this to you. I sent to you as a text, but uh, Benjamin David over at Above and Batman Beyond um, posted a great thing on Twitter commenting on your knowledge of art history and how proud he was of you because yeah. he was an art history teacher himself. Um, that was pretty funny. And then after I'm glad I'm glad I didn't fail. I know, everyone. like I think yeah, you, you got it, man. You know your art history. Thank you. It, it comes to you eventually. It, you yeah, have to it, sit and ponder it for a while, but it'll eventually get there. Uh and then um Gordon Wills and Paul Hill were both uh like chatting with us on Instagram about what Condiment King Beyond might look like. Mm-hmm. Which might be cool to see. So hopefully they come up with some iterations. Should I uh should I say what, what my version's going to yeah, be? Yeah, of course. Okay, so we had we had a brief talk about it. I think all three of us are going to draw our interpretation of Condiment King Beyond. My version, if I can figure it out properly, is going to be Sergeant Soylent. <laughs> and I'm very excited to figure that out. It's going to be so good. I cannot wait for that. Um, yeah, I, so I'm really excited to see what those come out to be. Uh, and then Ashley Clark wrote in to say that she would love to play our version of the Batman villain Monopoly. 
Yes. I actually started working on it while I was in you New did? York. You did? Oh, my God. Good mm-hmm. on you. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, well, and then, we'll talk about that after the podcast. And then uh, we were talking about, like, what trailers you think will be in front of the... Well, we were, well yeah, we were talking about what's really going to be in front of Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Nothing was the answer. Yes. Nothing significant. Um, didn't we get something, some announcement yeah, that, from Warner Brothers? We got nothing new. We got nothing... There are no new trailers. Oh, yeah. Just that same fucking trailer for Mortal Engines that I've seen a billion yeah. times. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, like, I, I really like the AMC Stubbs A-list. is what I switched to for MoviePass. Mm-hmm. But... They have so many shows in for the movies, and AMC is pushing Mortal Engines real hard. Yeah. And the movie looks terrible. Um, but well, No, well, we got another trailer. Not Bumblebee, not Mortal Engine. Oh, uh, Akita. We got, that was a new trailer. Oh, I guess that was a new Alita. Yeah. Alita, Alita sorry. Yeah. It, it looks okay. Um, I, I want that to be good, because it looks... The trailer makes it look so fun. It might be fun. I but like we'll, Rob Rodriguez. Yeah, so we'll, we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Um... But no, my friend Jason, he just started listening to the podcast, though, and he he said that they won't put It Chapter 2 trailer in front of it because it's a kid's film. Grindelwald's good Oh, film. yeah. Um, there was no Detective Pikachu trailer, which he suggested might be the case. Um, I feel like it's too young. Yeah, it might be a little bit. And then he says we'll probably get maybe the Joker teaser in front of Aquaman, which I think is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, he thinks that Avengers 4 will be in front of Mary Poppins because it'll then further kill Aquaman's second weekend, which is also probably true. Oh, yeah. So good insights jason and then one other quick one is uh there is a british tv show called the few and there's a second season coming out called dark future you may have seen there's some news came out like about a week or so ago that kevin conroy was going to be starring in a superhero show okay he's gonna be guest spotting on it um but the the actual twitter account for that show uh like tagged us and some of our other dcau people on it and said oh have you seen this news um because they're actually working on an Indiegogo campaign right now to fund the second season, which would include live-action Kevin Conroy, of all oh. things, which would be cool to see. And I, I watched a little bit of the footage from the first season. It's a cool-looking show, so I'll, I'll tag um, their Indiegogo campaign in the show notes there. That's so, so cool. Yeah, I'd that. love to read up, the, read yeah. up on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of it for Notes from Friends. What's you, what's, what are you plugging this week, Cameron? What plugging this week? Oh, man. Well, as if anyone follows me on Tum- – uh, wow. Anyone who follows me on Instagram knows – been a very harry potter filled week for me my god it really has though. uh and so i'm just i'm gonna plug just kind of the thing i was most excited for this week i saw harry potter and the cursed child oh, how was it uh, on broadway and it was unbelievable uh for anyone who's read the book i'm, I'm gonna be realistic about it because i think everyone is kind of has you know kind of like the 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 harry potter goggles on where harry potter can do no wrong mm-hmm. up until last night cool um but the story is just okay. It honestly yeah. feels like fan fiction. It does, uh, yeah. But seeing the Broadway production of it, where like it's not just a play we're seeing, it's a full on magic show. Yeah. And that was what was amazing about it. Like you had people, uh, you know, taking Polyjuice Potion and on stage, not going in shadow, not going off stage, right in front of you turning into another person what and it was so how are they pulling that off it's literally like a vegas level magic show we got to see okay and then there's these beautiful dance numbers between scenes that are so cool the whole score which is the second part of my plug Mm -hmm. is the emojin heap score okay is just so beautiful and eerie and just like it's this perfect balance of like tranquil fear Mm -hmm. is how i've been describing it oh interesting uh and it's it's like you know, it's, it's that haunting beauty kind of sound. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I can see that being the best part about it is just to see how do you translate this world that can no longer rely on camera trickery mm-hmm. and has to be done in person or special effects, special effects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I've read the cursed child and it's, I, I feel like it's re- fan fiction. I hate to say it, but I feel like JK Rowling, like pretty much anything she's written in bed in the Harry Potter world after Deathly Hallows reads like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Mostly the fucking movie we just saw. <laughs> Shh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's the length of three movies. Which is is kind of the the hardest part to get around. Yeah, six hours. It's right? a six hour play. Woo! Uh, but oh man, worth it, it was unbelievably worth yeah. it. If if anyone can take a trip out to New York to see it, I highly recommend it because mm-hmm. it's if like, you have the means. If you have the means, I highly recommend going. Yes. Uh, and also just like there's like scary moments in it. Yeah. Like the Dementors come in halfway through, and they come in from the ce- not from the stage ceiling, from the ceiling ceiling. Oh, like the audience ceiling. Yes. Oh shit. And just fly above you, and they like they actually play with the thermostat, so like you feel the the shiver the shiver mm-hmm. as they're flying over. I'm like oh, oh shit, like God they damn. win. It's it's so good, and I I, I have nothing else to say about it. No, also goes to Grindelwald. No, don't. Okay. All right. <laughs> we're, not, we're not gonna talk about Grindelwald. We're not gonna talk about Grindelwald. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna avoid going on a full blown rant about this. Mm-hmm. But I, we did see it. We d- yes, we and that's where we're Grind- gonna leave we it. We did see Grindelwald. Um, all like it's I I def- okay. I put a call out when Justice League came out, mm-hmm. telling people don't bother to go see this. Mm-hmm. I'm putting out that same call now for Grindelwald. With even more emphasis. Yes. And I actually have a reason why. Okay. It's not just that it's... Because it's, it's bad. Like, mm-hmm. you and I are a little bit different on this. But, like, I'm sorry. Objectively, that movie is terrible. Nothing of consequence happened. And it's pure franchise stretching. Yes, I agree. Like, you could go into the third one, which I will not do. Like, this, this movie was so bad, I've given up. Mm-hmm. Like, even Justice League couldn't stop me from going and seeing, well, I guess, Aquaman's going to be the next one. I will not watch another movie mm-hmm. from Warner Brothers in the Harry Potter world. Okay. Because it was that fucking terrible. But there's a reason why I'm actually encouraging people not to go see it. Because then you're teaching them the wrong lesson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that we have reached a point now where there's not an excuse for making a bad franchise film. And I think mostly that comes down to Marvel, who continues to really strive to make good movies and to make them at the kind of level that they're going to do that kind of blockbuster business and to really innovate and push the boundaries on things. And the problem that Warner brothers has been having of late with both the DC extended universe and especially with the Harry Potter stuff is they're not trying. Like they're just not trying to even make a good movie. Like they had an idea for a spinoff that could have been like three fun, whimsical adventure films, maybe like, kind of like Harry Potter version of Indiana Jones almost. Mm-hmm. And they've stretched it out into this battle versus good and evil. That's basically the exact same thing we saw in the original movies with less interesting characters. But now they're gay, but now they're gay, <laughs> barely even <laughs> like barely even acknowledging that that's what that is. And the, the problem is, is that this movie is going to do well. So then they're not going to try on the third one. Like, the first one did well enough, they came around to do this one, and they put even less effort into making it good. Mm-hmm. They tried less to make it feel like its own really well-rounded film. And if people keep going and seeing these movies, then they'll just keep making shit. And if one studio can get away with making a shit film that does well, 
others will do it as well. I mean, Sony did that with Venom. Mm-hmm. And then it just lowers the bar across the board. And I think it's a big problem, actually. Absolutely. So that's my rant. I, I'm very curious because I haven't, I haven't had a conversation with a lot of people about this yet. Because since I'm usually the one that sees it Thursday night, so then everyone that sees it Friday I can talk to. Yeah. I'm Since I'm the... I can't say the last one because I saw it. <laughs> we still saw it Friday night. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I, I'm very curious talking to people that like dedicate their lives to Harry Potter, how they feel about this film. Because yeah. I feel like it's going to be a very similar conversation to Star Wars fans and Last Jedi. I think Harry Potter fans are going to be more forgiving than Star Wars fans. I, well, I, that's interesting. Because I feel, I feel like, like this movie as much as I didn't like Last Jedi, I think this movie is worse. Um, yes. And I think... By a huge margin. Yes. But I'm, I'm curious how forgiving the Harry Potter fans will be. I mean, I think it's fair to say the Harry Potter fans in general are a slightly more positive and upbeat group than Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. So I think they're more inclined to be forgiving. which And that's a good thing. I'd rather have, like... Again, I'd rather have people And then like, I want to know how they're broken up by house, how they feel about this. Of course, like, right. Do the Slytherins hate it more than the Gryffindors? I think the reason is I hate it was I'm a Ravenclaw. And I'm like, this is meant for idiots. The Hufflepuffs. And we love it. <laughs> yeah, it's meant for Hufflepuffs. But I think the Harry Potter fans will be okay with it. But, like, man, I'm like, I'm, let's, let's acknowledge, I'm a really big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Too. Like, I love the movies. I've read the books multiple times. You constantly throw that in my face. Yeah, because I can. You know, I have, like... I've been going out trying to find more of like the Harry Potter blind bag Lego minifigures to put them up on the wall. Like I really do genuinely love Harry Potter. Like mm-hmm. it was a big part of my childhood growing up and I, I still have a deep love for it. And I think it's maybe part of the reason I was so mad about this movie was that it was, it, it's it again, making more shit content in what was once a really good universe doesn't diminish the quality of what came before it, but it's a waste of opportunity. Right. And I'm just frustrated knowing they're going to make three more garbage films and that they'll just keep doing it and they won't try at all. Mm-hmm. So guys don't go see the crimes of Grindelwald. It's awful. I would have, if they're making it a five part series, which I think is still the rumor. I, I don't think there's a, a platform it could be on. I mean, Netflix, but I, I would have preferred this to be a limited series. I feel like that's kind of how everyone is feeling about everything right now. Yeah. It's just like, why make it two movies and you just make it a limited series? Well, exactly. I think that those strategies, either you you make, you shoot to aim, you you aim to make one good movie and then maybe have follow-ups to it, mm-hmm. but make one really good movie at a time. Or if you want to do a longer format storytelling, yeah, do it as a limited series. But like, that's the problem is that Warner Brothers needed that temple franchise money. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, let's balloon this thing out to five films and let's shoehorn a bunch of references to the old films to trick people into thinking that it's good, mm-hmm. which it's not. Here's a snake, but she wasn't a snake once. Once she was a human yeah. who was turned into a snake. Yes. And she has little to nothing to do because mm-hmm. no one in this movie you has remember anything this mirror, to do. This mirror from the first Harry Potter movie that's never brought up again? Yeah. That's back. Don't worry. It's back to like allude to some exposition. Yes. It's back. Do you want to hear some name drops? Don't worry. We've got name drops for you galore. Here's McGonagall. Yeah. There she goes. So Just as, as quick-witty as before. Yeah. It's, it's really awful. So instead... Instead of going and seeing Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. I would recommend going to see a fantastic movie called Green Book. I do want to go see that movie. Uh, I am biased. It is one of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the films released by the, the production company that I work for. And 
so in that sense it's not coming from the most reliable source but i will objectively say it's actually very very good it's reviewing well it is reviewing well it's like yeah 90 percent right now yeah and so the the story for those of you who don't know what it's about it's about um this guy named tony lip who's played by vigo mortensen he's like in a uh in a like a bronx italian boxer like, like bouncer kind of guy mm-hmm. really rough around the edges and he's hired by this uh this black concert pianist dr don shirley to take him on a tour of the South. Basically, Shirley needs a driver, bodyguard. But what, what year is this, Chris? This is 1962. Ah. So it's before the Civil Rights Movement. Mm-hmm. And so the the South at that time is obviously a horrifying and terrible place. And, you know, it's... But what, with, what is the Green Book? So the Green Book... <laughs> the Green Book refers Ten to an, these, an, these. an actual thing. Um, and it was a, a book that was basically published... For, like by and for the the black community in America at the time, they told you where it was safe to go, like what hotels were safe, what hotel like gas towns stations, were safe, gas restaurants. stations, restaurants. Is basically like, look, it's dangerous for you to exist in this place. Here's a guide to make it a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. And so they have to use the Green Book to kind of navigate through the space. And the Green Book kind of operates in the background of all, but that's kind of one of the inspiration points mm-hmm. for the whole thing. Um, but you know, this all sounds very heavy and dramatic and it's a very emotional film. It's really sweet, but it's about their friendship, but it's also actually very funny. It's directed by Peter Farley, who is part of the Farley brothers. So like there's something about Mary and this is a dramatic term for him. But again, in the same way that if you're a comedic actor, you can do drama. Mm-hmm. Comedic directors can do. Yeah. Adam McKay's done dra- it. Yeah. Adam McKay's made the transition and it's, it's legitimately really, really good. Um, we have, three films coming out at the end of the year here. And I'd say this is probably the best of them. All right. Um, and it's really, really solid. It's so it's a limited theatrical release right now. So it's probably only in LA and New York, but it's going to get a wider release. I think sometime around Christmas. Nice. Um, but it's very good. I highly recommend seeing I'm it. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Yeah. I can take you and get it for free. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So we'll do that. Um, but yeah, that's my plug this week. Great. Don't see that. So yeah. Uh, so where can they find you, Chris? Uh, they can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. How about, you, how about you, Cameron? Where can they uh, find you? If you want to see my face and all my adventures, you can find me at camdexter underscore adventures. If you want to see my art, which I will be updating someday, <laughs> uh, you can find that at Cameron.dexter. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the podcast itself is at Tim Talkbot on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, indeed. Uh, if, ugh, if, after hearing this, you ignored my warnings and went to go see The Crimes of Grunderwald, or you saw it before hearing this. I am curious. I'm actually genuinely curious what other people think. And if you yes, liked it... I, I, I'm also yeah, very curious. If you liked it, I promise I will not shit on you for it. I want to know what about it you liked, because, again, I would always rather like something than hate it. But, oof. And if you want to know what the story is without ever going to see it, uh, just message me, and I'll tell you the whole thing is a lie. Yeah. You, you don't, there is no story. Yes. Literally, the whole movie is a lie. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. It's pretty much true. If anyone who's um, seen it, they, they'll get that. Yeah, it's pretty much terrible. But anyways, uh, as always, we appreciate your, your listenership. Yes. So thank you. Thanks, everyone. We'll <laughs> talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.